Today's conspiracy theories are tomorrow's headlines. That's what I told YouTube when they deleted one of my episodes recently for spreading conspiracy theories. Well, YouTube probably won't like what I'm sharing today either, but there's an acronym that I think Christians need to know about. It's WEF. You'll learn what it stands for today. And could their plans be setting up the kingdom of the Antichrist in the near future? We're going to discuss that and more today on the Cross References Podcast. Welcome to the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Bible reader, our goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. This is Luke Taylor. I'm a minister and a social media manager at a nonprofit organization where I work right now. I started doing that last year, and so I've gotten to learn about algorithms and how to make things more popular and engaging whenever it comes to online content. I even attended a seminar back in January, and I got a lot of good ideas. I learned a lot of things about social media management. I started putting them into practice, and then we had a really great February. It was like our greatest month ever for our organization on social media. And then March came along, and we even broke February's record. And then April was beating March's record until I posted something about the Great Reset. See, we were having this special speaker come to our local area, and he was talking about Bible prophecy and the end times, and his main theme was the global reset that's coming. And so I posted about it, and as soon as I did that, immediately, all the traffic on our page was shut down. It was instantaneous, and uh, not just about that post, not just the one about the Great Reset. All of our posts. I mean, we had been sailing along. We, we, My phone was, it was so annoying because it was just constantly lighting up with all the engagement that we were getting on our page. But then the moment I posted about the Great Reset, it was like flipping a switch. It all just stopped. Facebook stopped showing our content to other people in their news feeds. And then eventually we got it back. You know, it took a few weeks, but we kind of crawled out of that hole. But my point is, social media really doesn't like it when you post stuff that talks about the Great Reset, the New World Order. They want to call it a conspiracy theory. Well, these are definitely conspiracies, but they sure aren't theories. Their plans are publicly posted on their own websites, and I'm going to share some of that with you today. A few weeks back, I did an episode about three acronyms that every Christian should know. It was talking about some big changes that are going on right now in the world and how I think the world is getting ready for the Antichrist's seven-year empire. Well, there's another acronym that I want you to know today, the WEF. That stands for the World Economic Forum. And this is an organization that was founded in 1971, and they have a goal of reshaping our economy. When I say our, I mean the, the entire world's economy. They want to reshape it under a socialistic agenda. Socialism is usually just used to reshape a nation's economy. Okay, you hear of socialist nations. Well, the WEF wants a socialist world. They want what they call income equality. They want it across the entire planet, that all the people of all the nations are making an equal income. Everyone having the same amount of money, everybody sharing the same resources, everybody having the same health care. It's the globalist agenda. And they say that they need to do this because of the importance of equity, and they need to do it soon because 
if we don't do it soon, climate change is going to kill all of us. They warned that if their agenda's goals are not met, that soon we're going to be destroyed in another heat wave or another ice age, you know, whatever they want to put out there in the headlines for the day. And every year they have this big meeting in Europe. I think it's in Switzerland. And, and they discuss their plans. They discuss what they could do in the years ahead to move their agenda forward. And so for us Americans, our current president, Joe Biden, he's a longtime member of the WEF. And he's a mover and shaker in the WEF. He was a keynote speaker at one of their meetings a few years back. The founder of their organization is a man named Klaus Schwab. He was born in 1938. That makes him 85 years old today. He, his hope for the future is, quote, that you will own nothing and be happy. He wants you to own nothing because everything that all the resources, basically, they just belong to everybody. So you don't have personal ownership of anything. You'll own nothing and be happy. That's his motto. Whoever has need of a resource should just be able to use it. If you don't need it, you just give it to someone else. Nothing is yours. Everything just belongs to the community or society or the people of the world. You'll own nothing and be happy. Thanks to a listener named Joe in North Carolina for reminding me of some of this information. I was I was kind of planning this this lesson for the past few months, and then he sent me some information recently, and I was able to plug that in right here. Um, We'll continue. When the 2020 pandemic hit, suddenly this WEF was able to put many of their plans into motion. Because for decades, all that they had was theories and plans. But in 2020, the people of the world were paralyzed with fear. The government told us to lock ourselves up inside our homes unless you were what they called an essential worker. During this time, um, in July of 2020, okay, three, three years ago this month, and that was just three months into the pandemic as a whole, really, in America. That quickly, Klaus Schwab was able to publish a book. The title of that book was COVID-19, The Great Reset. You can find it on Amazon. It's still there right now. This book was about how in our efforts to fight off the virus, we could have a better world after the pandemic than what we had going into it. According to Amazon, the book is 280 pages long. How Klaus Schwab had a 280-page book written just a few months into the pandemic with a plan to beat the virus and reshape the world, I couldn't tell you the answer to that. I'm going to let you gnaw on that, that question. Here's another quote from Klaus Schwab. This is from the book. He said, The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. So the idea of the pandemic is that they could use that crisis to move their agenda forward. There's a Democratic congressman in America. His name's James Clyburn. He's often credited with getting Joe Biden elected president because of the campaigning that he did for him um, back in 2020 in South Carolina. Another thing that Clyburn did in 2020, he said this about the pandemic. He said this presented, here's a quote, a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. At the time of the pandemic, the Democrats in America... And this WEF over in Europe, they were all talking about how the pandemic of, of coronavirus, that this was an opportunity for them. This was an opportunity to restructure things to fit their vision of what things should be. This WEF has been around for a while. They've been making plans for a long time. The problem that they would keep running into is that, you know, the people of the world didn't necessarily want to go along with everything that these people wanted, especially Americans. Okay. 
Americans have a very individualistic mindset. We generally don't trust the government. We have a high value on freedom. Our president back in 2020 was President Trump. He was not one of these globalists. He had what was called the America First agenda. But when the pandemic happened back in 2020, the WEF realized they could even get Americans to fall in line with whatever they wanted. If the people were terrorized, if they were in crisis mode, they would just willingly give up their freedoms. Well, not all people in America, but a good chunk of them. <laughs> it's something that I think shocked all of us as we looked around and saw what was happening. When they said this shot that they introduced that year, um, this shot it came out at the end of 2020, and it was told that this shot, if you got it, it would halt the transmission of the virus. And that ended up being a total lie. We were told that if you got the shot, it made you a dead end for the virus. Completely false. And yet, that lie was used to put in a vaccine mandate by the government, and our Supreme Court had to strike it down. Our Supreme Court was the only thing that stood between us and this government agenda to force every single last one of us to get this shot. They said you couldn't have a job if you didn't get the shot. Then the news came out that the shot didn't even stop transmission of the virus. And yet our government kept trying to push us to have to get the shot anyway. They tried to mandate it for all working Americans. Our Supreme Court in America saved us from that tyranny. Of course, half the country didn't think it was even tyranny at all. They didn't think it was tyranny at all to force everybody to get this shot. Half the country was fine with the fact that they had been lied to that this shot would stop transmission of the virus. Half the country was willing to accept getting censored on social media if you posted unapproved opinions about this shot or if you posted theories about everything that was going on. Free speech took a back seat in the name of public safety. The pandemic revealed just how willing people were to do whatever the government said. And these globalists realized America was not going to be as much of an obstacle as they originally thought. So Klaus Schwab's plan was called the Great Reset. That was what he published in the name of his book. And yet, if you talk about how the elites and the globalists and the United Nations and the WEF, if you talk about how they're attempting this Great Reset, you can be labeled a conspiracy theorist. If you talk about how they're trying to create a new world order, you're labeled a conspiracy theorist, even though that is their own name for it. And something I found really comical, last fall... The World Government Summit of 2022 was held in Dubai, and they streamed their talks online. There is this one talk that they were doing at this summit. It was called, Are We Ready for a New World Order? And YouTube tagged the video with one of their, just one of their automatically generated disclaimers. It said, The New World Order is a conspiracy theory which hypothesizes a secretly emerging totalitarian world government. <laughs> and so they put this disclaimer on a video that was literally called, Are We Ready for a New World Order? World Economic Summit 2022. <laughs> this was the name of their talk at their summit. And YouTube is like, hey, guys, this is just a conspiracy theory of, you know, that <laughs> I just found that pretty funny. One thing that I found interesting, there was a superhero movie that's set to come out next year. It's called Captain America New World Order. That was the original title. I thought that well, that's an interesting title to stick on a superhero movie and not just any superhero movie, but one called Captain America. I thought that's that's really weird. During an election year, they're going to put out a movie called Captain America, 
new world order. I, th- I thought, well, that's not very subtle. And then so I guess Satan agreed. He agreed it wasn't subtle enough. So they changed the name of this movie. Now it's going to be called Captain America Brave New World, which is a little bit more subtle. Not that much more subtle. Brave New World is the title of a 1931 novel about a dystopian future where everybody is drugged up and they've been psychologically psychologically conditioned by the government to do whatever it says. Now, I have no idea what the Captain America movie is going to be about, but the vision of the book, that's something very well known. So it's interesting that they've chosen this for the title of their movie that's coming up. America was perhaps the one country that was standing in the way of this globalist agenda up until President Biden successfully defeated Trump in the in the 2020 election. And I'm not going to go on here. I'm not going to put out theories about how it was stolen this way or that way. I don't think that they rigged the voter machines, but it sure was convenient for all these globalists. How just, you know, if you go back a year before the 2020 election, it appeared that Trump was sailing ahead to re-election. There was a glowing economy. He had unparalleled success. America's enemies in the Middle East, they had been basically eradicated. Crime was decreasing in the country. And then in the span of a year, all these things happened that wrecked our economy. Our voting system was rejiggered. Not saying the machines were hacked or whatever. But I mean, there was a lot of changes made to our electoral process in America with the mail-in voting and all that. We also saw riots and protests break out across the country. They set it ablaze. And then Trump, you know, the mega, mega capitalist, he was defeated. He was defeated by an opponent who had something called the Build Back Better agenda. Now, where did that phrase come from? Build Back Better. There was a paper published by the World Economic Forum in July of 2020. It was named this. To build back better, we must reinvent capitalism. Here's how. And then there's a paper written about that. I'm sure that was all just a coincidence, guys. And by the way, the WEF's reinvention of capitalism, they call it stakeholder capitalism. You got to know, when you hear that, that's just socialism. They just slapped the word capitalism on it to deceive capitalists. But that is just socialism, okay? It's a capitalism system that's based on getting money to all of the stakeholders in the planet's future, okay? By which they mean the population of the entire world, because if you live on this planet, they consider you a stakeholder in the nation's future. So in other words, it's a capitalism system where the money is redistributed equally among the population of the world. (laughs) That's just worldwide socialism. So don't fall for this phrase, stakeholder capitalism. All right, guys. Hey, we've been going at this for about 15 minutes. I've already dumped a lot of information on you. Let's take a short break. And then I want to look at some Bible verses here on this Bible study. So the Bible tells us that the Antichrist is going to attempt to have a global world empire that has control of all the nations. Revelation 17, it talks about a woman riding a giant beast. It says in verse 3, And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. Okay? And then later in the chapter, it explains what it was that John was seeing in this vision. In verse 12, The ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour, together with the beast. These are of one mind, And they hand over their power and authority to the beast. Okay, so it's talking about 
the Antichrist here is this leader of the world, but he has 10 government leaders under him and they each control a section of the world. And these are the 10 kings who rule under him and they give their authority over to him. Okay, so if America is a world power at the time of the tribulation, perhaps the president of the United States could be one of these 10 kings. Perhaps he's given authority over what we'd call the North America region. Okay, scripture says all these 10 kings are of one mind. They're all working together um, to give. Really, they serve under the Antichrist. He's pulling the strings of these 10 kings. A couple of cross references that you could also look at about this are Daniel chapters 2, 7 and 8 as well as Revelation chapter 13. We're not going to go to all those places right now. But they basically say that the Antichrist government, they have him at the top, and there's these 10 world leaders underneath him. Daniel 7 implies that he's going to kill three of the 10 leaders or overthrow them in some way. We don't know why he does this. It says in Daniel 7, 8, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one. And this one is the Antichrist. Before which, three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. And it says in verse 24, As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. So, why is the Antichrist called the little horn if he's in charge? Okay, perhaps he's not front and center whenever he first arrives on the scene. Maybe he's uniting these 10 world leaders behind the scenes, kind of pulling the strings, but he's the real one in charge. And so to most of the world, maybe they don't see this one solitary leader running the show throughout the entire tribulation. It's probably more at the halfway point that the Antichrist takes center stage and starts ruling the world. Daniel 13, 1, it says, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns and seven heads and ten diadems on its horns, and blasphemous names on its heads. Verse 3, the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. Verse 4, and they worshiped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. So the dragon is the devil, the beast is the Antichrist and his world empire, Okay, and the dragon is the one who handed power over to the Antichrist to rule as his representative on the earth during this period. And so people will worship the Antichrist, They'll worship the so-called God of the Antichrist, but they are actually worshiping the devil and they don't even know it. It says, and they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? Let's go down to verse seven. Authority was given over every tribe and people and language and nation. So basically this Antichrist is ruling the world and he may only do this openly for maybe only part of the tribulation, maybe just the last half of it. It's very possible he takes control in secret during the first half and kind of operates in the shadows while it looks like there's this 10-liter world government who is in charge, something like a United Nations or, or a European Union or a WEF, okay? But And as everyone knows, eventually in the tribulation, probably in the second half, this Antichrist enforces taking a mark on your body, and this mark is going to regulate your ability to spend money. Revelation thirteen seventeen says, no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of his name. So the Antichrist will prevent people from buying or selling unless they have the mark of the beast. And so I'm not going to deal today with what the mark of the beast is. The point is people have to accept this mark in order to buy or sell. Well, what's going to get people to do that? 
I'd say fear. Fear. If you don't accept the mark, you'll die. <laughs> so it's a fear-based tactic. Society's already been conditioned to accept these things when they're fearful. Look at how they just bowed down and did whatever the government told them to do in 2020 over a virus that had a 99% survival rate. And I'm not trying to criticize the people who did that, but by the midpoint of the tribulation, you got to remember half the population of the world is going to be dead. Okay. Half of them. Every few months, there's going to be another cataclysmic event and people are going to die in large swaths, uh, earthquakes that shake the entire world. There'll be sicknesses and plagues in the, in the tribulation. It'll wipe out millions. There's going to be wars breaking out between nations. It'll be World War III. People are going to be living in terror. Is the idea that they could be forced to accept a mark on their body, is that even that much of a stretch by that point? <laughs> they're, they're not going to take convincing at all. That's going to be like the 10th most important thing on their minds by that point. They've already showed in America, most people were willing to accept getting the COVID vaccine if it meant the difference between having a job. Okay, all that stuff in 2020 and 2021, that was just a test run for what the Antichrist is going to implement someday. Klaus Schwab calls it the Great Reset, which means right now we're in the Great Preset. Okay, all it takes is a crisis big enough to put their new global government into place, something that shakes the world up, something, I don't know, like millions of people suddenly disappearing, causing worldwide confusion causing worldwide fear, causing worldwide chaos. Everything right now is just being put into place for their future agenda to be fulfilled. They may, they may, they might not know, but the steps they're taking right now to build this global empire, they are just putting the pieces in place for an antichrist to hop onto the world scene and take control of all of it. Klaus Schwab even says in his book, it's called COVID-19, The Great Reset. He says in his book, nobody is really in charge. He's saying that in order for their world domination system to work, they need one person singularly to take command of all of it. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Psalm chapter two, because it sounds like a psalm that's really just written to Klaus Schwab and these guys at the World Economic Forum. And, and Psalm two is fascinating. It's a, it's a conversation amongst the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all having a conversation here with each other. But they could very well be talking about these clowns over at the WEF. I'm not even kidding, okay? This this psalm might have its literal fulfillment. It could apply to a lot of things, a lot of situations in history, but it might have its most literal fulfillment talking about Klaus Schwab and Biden and Putin, Zelensky, all these guys. Let me read Psalm 2 to you. It says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. You see, Klaus Schwab and his gang, they plot and they scheme and they think that they can build a world empire that could even overthrow God's authority. Remember back at like the Tower of Babel incident, God said that if the people could build this tower to the heavens, they're basically going to become unstoppable. And, and what did God mean by that? Um, I have some thoughts. Maybe I'll save those for another time. But God confused the languages of the people. He scattered the people to different nations. And now the devil is trying to reunite all the people to have a second go at Babel. Is that going to be successful? Well, look at verse four. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. 
So it says God is just laughing at them. They actually think they can overthrow God. Verse five, then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. This is God talking to Jesus. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. So God says he will unite the whole world and then hand authority of it over to his son. It's interesting to me because that's basically the same offer that Satan made to Jesus. Remember, Satan said, hey, Jesus, I'll, I'll give you all the nations right now. You can skip all that cross and judgment stuff. I'll let you skip right to the end. I'll just put you in charge right now. All you have to do is worship me. Well, it's interesting because when he said that to Jesus, Jesus didn't argue with Satan's ability to even do that. But Jesus turned it down. And why is that? Well, because it wasn't the right time. Jesus knew that God had an order in which things were supposed to happen. God has a plan. Satan's always trying to throw a wrench into God's plans. But God has his plans. He has his timing for planet Earth. And the devil, the WEF, None of them are going to be able to mess up God's plans. So Jesus waited. He turned the devil down. Someday he is going to take control. Someday this is going to happen. But that day is not this day. And it wasn't 2,000 years ago. Jesus was waiting for God's plan, God's timing, for the proper fulfillment of all things. I think the devil is going to make the same offer to the Antichrist. He's going to say, worship me, and I will give you the nations. And I think the Antichrist is going to take that offer. He's going to be put in charge, but he only has a limited time. I think maybe three and a half years in secret and then three and a half years in the open. Seven years max, okay? He gets to be king of the world for seven years. And then the Antichrist is going to be overthrown by Jesus, who returns to this earth and finally takes control of his millennial kingdom. It's going to fulfill Psalm 2 right here. Uh, let me read the rest of the chapter, and then I'm going to come back with some closing thoughts, and we'll, we'll end for the day. Psalm 2, verse 9, it says, You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. I'm going to stop there, guys. I tell you what, that's the, that's the end of that chapter. I had a lot more I wanted to talk to you about today, but I'm only about halfway through my notes. and I don't want to make it an hour long lesson on you. So here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop here and I want to come back and pick up where we left, left off here. I'm going to pick it up next time because I have some thoughts about how close the rapture could be. I know I've talked to here a lot about how things are just falling into place for the end times. We see these things falling into place, and that would give us cause to think that the end is close. But I want to caution you about jumping into that idea too soon. Just because things are falling into place doesn't necessarily mean that the end is right around the corner. Things could be put into place, but then we could be here another 50 years. Okay? Technically, being put into place just means they're put into place. That's not a guarantee that we're going to be out of here soon. So I had a lot more I want to share with you on this. Um, I'm going to save that for next week. Here's what I want you to remember. Here's what we'll talk about next time. We might have some more hard things to go through. Okay. And if I wouldn't be doing my job as a Bible teacher if I didn't warn you about that. So 
Next time, we will talk about what some of those hard things that we might go through, what they could be, how you should be prepared for the future. I'll give you some reasons to think the rapture might not necessarily be so close. But I'll also give you some reasons to think maybe it is close. We're going to just look at both sides of the issue, and we'll just do that next time, okay? Uh, Thanks for listening to the Cross References podcast today. This has been Luke Taylor, and here's the thought I'm going to leave you with. Plan to be here another hundred years, but be ready for the rapture at any moment. Okay, I'm going to expand on that next week. Um, Next week, I was going to run this interview with a friend of mine who wrote a book about angels. I'm I'm going to save that for later. I just have this urgency on my heart to tell you about current events. And so we're just going to focus on that for next time. And I'll run that interview later on. For now, plan to be here another hundred years. That means build things, launch churches, start Christian schools, get married, have kids, serve God, serve people, stay busy. Jesus is close. That's what I feel. But let him find you busy when he comes. Don't just go sit out on your rocking chair on the back porch and just kind of stare at the sky and wait for Jesus to appear. No. Do something with the time that you have left. Plan for a hundred years. But in your personal life, and your relationships, always be ready for him to come back at any moment. Music